Our reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of John and the first chapter of John and the first 18 verses of that chapter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not that light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not out of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace, in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who himself God, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Amen. Uh, good morning, everyone. My name's Ian. Lovely to see you all. Just a, a couple of things I want to draw your attention. Uh, one is a sad one about Des and Faye Brampton. Uh, many of you know them, but uh, Des passed away uh, during the week uh, quite suddenly. Um, uh, I'm doing a service here this Wednesday at 11 o'clock. Uh, words really can't capture uh, the faithfulness of Faye and Des in the body of, of the Christ Church here at Fig Tree. Faye is such a tireless worker in pastoral care, praying for us, you sending cards out, uh, and Des uh, has a long history of serving us. Uh, in fact, uh, the chairs you sit on are known as the Brampton Chairs for those who were part of our congregation all those years ago. Mainly because as the church was trying to, and I think people like Alan and others know this, as the church was trying to find chairs, we couldn't. Des went off and sourced some things and these are the chairs we have and they've become known as the Brampton Chairs. Uh, he passed away suddenly uh, and so uh, this... Wednesday, 11 o'clock, there will be a private cremation at 10 o'clock, uh, and then Wednesday here. So I do encourage you to, if you can't get here, to lift them up in prayers. Many of you know, would know Diane, Martin and Darren as well, and so keep them in your prayers. Uh, they're wonderful, uh, wonderful servants of God, and especially here at Fig Tree. So that's this Wednesday. It does take into consideration, you know, have you heard of the coronavirus? How's your toilet paper stock going? I have no, you know, I've watched our culture for many decades, even recently through drought and fires and floods. I really have no space in my head to give any wisdom 
about our toilet paper needs. If I see you flogging our toilet rolls, you'll be in trouble. They're very large and they stand out. Uh, it may be in a few weeks that Shane and myself stand here and ask you to be generous and bring toilet rolls so we can, you know, like the Christmas, we have a pile of... But, okay, and a couple of serious notes about it. Uh, as you know, because many have been at colour, there is no recommendation that we stop meeting together. Okay, just so you're wondering. Um, so that's, we're still meeting. Uh, we'll just watch what's going on. The Archbishop has advised us about some advice. Be in prayer, of course, about the virus and other flus. My guess is it won't be long before winter hits, of course. Uh, we know that primarily it's, uh, the virus is spread through close contact. Um, so a couple of things to your attention. Firstly, I hope you listen to Rachel's prayer. We are Christians with a spirit of love, not fear. I just want you to know that in case that might be forgotten. We have mixed congregations of ages and cultures. Under no circumstance will we at this church uh, point fingers or do things that are highly inappropriate. Just so you know that, uh, just from my perspective, we're all in this together uh, and we don't draw conclusions about who, what or why. And so you need to know that. Many people, I'm sure, from different backgrounds are feeling the weight of being looked at in certain ways and feeling accused. So we won't do that here, will we? Uh, this morning in communion, of course, we have can the common cup. Just so you know, we don't use the common cup here at 10 o'clock, but we don't, we're not using it at, at 8 o'clock at this point in time. Uh, we're very mindful of that. Um, communion will come up in a few weeks and we'll talk about that. All the helpers will have to use hand sanitizers. Heather, uh, thankfully, has arranged there's a lot of hand sanitizers and tissues around. And so you haven't, I hope you've noticed that. Greetings, uh, we do greet each other and we did that through the welcome. Just be mindful how you do that to each other. I'll be more specific uh, in a moment. Children's ministries, I think uh, we, it seems that children are not as vulnerable. Don't quote me, I'm not a doctor, just, I'm just saying it so far. So we need to make sure, as the children's ministries will, that toys are wiped down and things like that, handles are wiped down, we'll make sure we do that as well. A lot about touching surfaces, etc. The food service is a major issue because we do have open morning teas. There's a funeral coming up on Wednesday. We generally have a lot of open food, and so we're working through how we serve that well. General advice, you can go to the uh, Department of Health guidelines. So some more direct things before I invite Richard up. Avoid contact with people who are sick. If you are sick, stay home. Who'd have thought? What great advice. If your children are sick, guess what? Lock them in a cupboard. No, keep them at home. <laughs> keep them at home. Avoid touching eyes, nose, mouth. Don't cough in your hands and then shake someone's hand. Bad idea. If you sneeze into a tissue, what do you do with the tissue? Throw it in the bin, not the toilet bowl. Throw it in the bin. Cover your cough or sneeze. Uh, clean and disinfect frequently. Wash your hands. Many of you know... I had never heard this before, but if you're washing your hands with soap and water, sing happy birthday twice, that's a... Do that, do that well. Uh, if you go to the bathroom, it's ladies' day, so I won't mention the women. Blokes, how direct do I need to be? If you go to the bathroom, for Pete's sake, wash your hands. Okay? 
I've said it, good. Uh, make sure you do that. Soap and water is available everywhere uh, and we have a lot of hand sanitizers around as well. Um, just be, you know, if we have people in our congregation who have low immune systems, be mindful of that. Uh, no handshaking, all that sort of stuff, kissing, all that sort of stuff. So just make sure you're uh, aware of that as well. Say good morning, elbow touch, whatever you want to do, kick each other in the shins, doesn't worry me. Uh, but just make sure there's not too much hand-to-hand -hand combat going on, okay? Amen. Right. I've said it. It's done. There's advice from our Archbishop about that. Drop that. Moving on. Love it to have Richard with us. Uh, we're stopping the Hebrews series. Last week you heard about the Word of God being uh, more powerful than anything else. And so today we're going to jump straight into that. Could you welcome up Richard to the platform? Uh, lovely to have you, Richard. It's a funny day, isn't it? Uh, normally we'd shake hands. I'd do that, you know, elbow. Uh, thank you. I put patches on my yeah, jacket. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> uh, Richard, uh, Englishman, tell us about your family. Are you married? Do you have children? Yes, I used to be tall, but then I got married 37 years ago, and uh, I'm shorter now. And we have two lovely daughters, and she has a row of medals for having been married to me for 37 years. Yeah. Fantastic. What's your wife's name? Jane. Jane. What's the date of your wedding? The 30th of April, 1983. Oh, there you go, got it. Good. See? Good. Yeah. Um, interest. Do you have any interests in life or even musical interest? Well, I nearly freaked out when I came into your church because for five years I was in a Christian rock band called Jesus Is. I thought, you're joking, and I'm not only going to be speaking, I've got to do a, 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 a service uh, which includes all the old numbers. I thought, this is terrible. So, uh, no, I'm very pleased that you got Jesus's, but I was in a Christian rock band called Jesus's. Long hair? No, not that long. I was still working at the time, so it was quite long. Don't go and look it up on the internet. There's some very embarrassing pictures. <laughs> I know you're going to look it up. Don't do it now. Can you wait till you get home? If I see your heads drop to your phones, don't do that. Uh, brother, your passion about the Word of God and what you're going to share with us about it, yeah. how it can impact. Have you always been so fervent and in love with the Word of God? Well, I, I did get converted uh, when I was 14 and a half years old. 1st of January, 1970. So 50 years this year. Yay. But... Here's what I was like, Ian, by the time I'd made it to the age of 51. I turned into a Tesla Christian. What do I mean by that? Well, I was just making it back to the charging station church every Sunday. Oof, survived another week. Now, I've got my charging cable. My spiritual charging cable is in my hand. Can you please plug me into the spiritual mains, Ian? I'm expecting you to preach well. I'm expecting the worship group to be fantastic. I'm expecting we're going to pray brilliantly. But at the end of the service, I'm expecting to disconnect the charging cable because you're not serious. You don't expect me to grow as a Christian out out there do you and actually most Christians think that today particularly in the last 20 years we've apparently become socially unacceptable well I don't do that now Ian because you see if you'd have said to me 12 13 years ago Richard do you believe we could share the gospel with our friends oh yes I've sat through endless sermons we do all agree don't we we must take the gospel to our friends do you know how no I haven't got a clue actually if you hand me a bible not a clue well, now I've got the how. And I'm actually going out and discovering that God is incredibly active in each of our circle of friends. 
It's not about me. I'm not an evangelist. I'm simply a page turner of the Word of God because now I can do it. I've got it in a format I can share. So I don't drain out now. I now come back and get hold of my minister. He's a lot taller than you. I get hold of him by both lapels and I say, teach me more. I've had a fantastic week. I've discovered God is active in a way that I could never have imagined. By the way, Ian, meet Tom, Dick, and Harry because they've come to sit underneath your pulpit because they're now interested in Christ. Praise the Lord. Could you welcome Richard as he opens up God's Word? Now, if you're here today just to see what church is like, I'm really, really pleased that you've come. I'm excited about that. Why? Because I think you're going to need to hold on to your seat. You see, the Bible holds real answers to life's big questions. We've got a quite an ambitious task today. We're going to do a whistle-stop tour of the first 34 verses of John's Gospel. Now relax, I'm not going to do all 34, otherwise we'd be here for hours. But why John? Uh, well, we're going to do John 1 because it's absolutely unique in the whole of the Bible. I don't know if you knew that. It's an overview. In the city, I call it an executive summary. But everywhere else, I call it an overview. It's 18 sentences long. And it's the only overview you will find anywhere in the book. It's now captured on the screen. We're going to start putting it up on the screen. In the pages of these little booklets, the word one-to-one. You're going to see that every single page of this is done in blue because this is the gospel for you to share. And therefore, it's done in blue because you can be a prince or a prisoner and you feel comfortable in your jeans. So every single page is colored done in blue. And we're going to kick off as if you've decided to have a cup of coffee with me. Now, here's what I said to invite you for your cup of coffee. I said this, haven't you always thought that one day you might have a look at the book that sold more copies than any other in the history of printing, the Bible? Wouldn't you expect it probably has got some good stuff in it? Now, did you notice I didn't mention going to church? No, because my friends actually aren't thinking about going to church today. It's a biblically ignorant age. Did I mention Christ? Well, no, because my friends aren't thinking about Christ. Actually, horrifically, it is incredible how few people now know about Christ. So I didn't mention that. I mentioned two things that people do think. The Bible sold more copies than any other. Fact. It's probably got some good stuff in it. It's like the bo- you know, that book that my wife always tells me off for not reading, the one that's in the glove box. Yes, the maker's instructions. So, so actually, it's probably got some good stuff in it. Well, I'm very excited. You can tell. I have changed from when I was 51. I am very excited because I have discovered there is this unique overview, executive summary. It's only 18 sentences. Did you notice I didn't call them verses? My friends don't know what that is. Sentences. I've got some great notes which are now a global phenomena. They're all over the internet and actually there's over 300,000 of these booklets which hold the, the first uh, the, the book of John. I'm very excited. Can I buy you a coffee? So you said yes. And we turn up. I hand you a book. You, I've got one. You've got one. There's no such thing as leader's notes. And uh, we turn to the start and I say, look, John's, John's gospel starts with an overview, so don't be surprised, it's going to need some unpacking. Now, I don't know if you can read it, but it says on the yellow sticky, John's gospel starts with an overview. There's a lot in this section, so don't be surprised, it's going to need some unpacking. Well, you're quickly clotting on that the reason there's 300,000 of these and rocketing is that any Christian can do this with his friend. 
Anybody from about above the age of 12 seems to be doing it. Every, simil- every simple single demographic that we've ever seen. Now, when you agreed to have a cup of coffee with me, you probably thought you knew what we would look at. You know, we're going to be in a smelly stable, some really smelly uh, shepherds, and there's going to be a baby. That's where we're going to be. We're going to be in Bethlehem. Well, it's a bit of a surprising start, John, because that's not where we go. What does the book say? Well, you might find this a surprising start. No angels, no Bethlehem, no stable, no baby Jesus, no wise men. The conversation for you to have with your non-Christian friend, it's in the books. Now, when we start, we'll turn over now, the next slide. Here's what the whole thing looks like page after page. On the left-hand side are the first five verses of John. Now, did you know only Christians read out loud? Did you know that? Well, I've been in business for 45 years. I've yet to be in a business meeting where I've actually said, now we're going to read the contract out loud. Now, we never do that. You read out loud as Christians because you've fallen in love with the word of God and you like to share. Don't embarrass your friend by suggesting that either you or they read out loud. Don't do that. It's not a good idea. They're embarrassed. So suggest they just take a moment to, in silence, read the left-hand side to themselves. Your job, you explain to your friend, is to do exactly what I'm about to do now. You're going to bring this alive by going through the notes that are on the right-hand side of the page. Now, it's easier for me, sorry about this for you folks over here, it's easier for me to walk over to this one. Well, this is a pretty amazing beginning. Look how often the phrase, the word, is used. Do you see that John stresses twice the word was there in the beginning? Now, you have read this before you go for coffee with your friend, so that you do know how this goes. That's the only training you need to do. Two things, read it in advance, pray your friend will be convicted of their sins. Those are the two things you've got to do. That's called training. Okay? So you've spotted, yes, the notes are right. It is true. John stresses twice the word was there in the beginning. Verse 1, in the beginning was the word. Do you see the second one? Verse 2, he was with God in the beginning. Well, I would suggest that raises the question, what or who is the word? Well, verse 1 is pretty outrageous. The word was with God, was God. Well, you probably thought the Bible did say some outrageous things. Yep, straight off, verse 1, the word was God. Now, do you see what verse 2 added? He was with God in the beginning. I've had many a friend say to me, you mean God's not an amorphous mass? No, he's personal. It's a he. He was with God in in the beginning. It's a person. Now, I'm doing this. This morning, like I've just come from Brisbane and had nine coffees from Brisbane. Because my goodness me, they serve strong coffee in Brisbane. You do this a bit slower, okay? But I haven't got time. So excuse me for doing this quickly. But do you spot that already in two verses, you've shown your friend something that is absolutely unique? You see, we've already spotted that the word existed before time. Before the very creation, before the beginning, was the word. Now that raises the point that therefore the he of verse 2 must be eternal. We're talking about eternity. Do you know another book which can actually show your friends or has someone claim to be eternal? Because I don't think there is one. 
You may be used to this as a Christian, to your non-Christian friend, perhaps to you here today. This is amazing stuff. Where else can you think about eternity? Now, let's see what else it claims. Well, actually, verse 3 added, Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made. It's repeated twice. Yep, the creator God made everything. And that's what the notes say. Verse 3, the word who is God and a person made everything. But actually, John's claims for the word go even further. Yes, verse 4. What a staggering verse. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Did you get sold the lie that actually Christianity would take stuff away and your life would be far less? No, actually, I've got the truth for you. You were made by God. You've got a God-shaped vacuum in you. It will not be filled by anything else. You might have been worshipping at the temple of fitness. You might have gone into veganism. You might have decided to try some, some positive thinking and a bit of yoga. All those things may be brilliant, but I don't think you'll discover on your deathbed that they're actually the answer. You see, you were made by Creator God for eternity. And it won't be filled by anything but Christ. That's the reality. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. When I became a Christian, the lights went on. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Yes, so what we've discovered already, we're talking about the source of life. We're talking about the answer for life, and we must be talking about eternal life because he was there before the very beginning. He's living outside of time. This makes sense if, as John has just claimed, the word is our creator. And the light shines in the darkness. Yes, there are more Christians today than ever before. Fantastic. Now, it doesn't stop there. We're going to turn over. We're going to go to the next slide, and we're going to have a look at verse 12. Where's Langdon? Langdon, you don't know about it. Come up here. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Now, Langdon, um, you might have noticed we've got a bit of a thing going on in Britain. We're down two members of the royal party. Mm. <clears throat> so, so I've brought a letter from the Queen. She's a bit concerned at the loss of her family members. And she's decided that we haven't had a Langdon in the British royal family. It is, it is a truth. I've noticed this yeah, too. Well, yeah. that is true. But I've brought the letter from the Queen that says she'd like to adopt you. So may I please welcome, please give him a big round of applause, Prince Langdon. Thank you. Now, Langdon... Um, it's huge. It, it's yeah, well, Harry dropped the keys off, so I've got the keys in my briefcase, mm -hmm. okay, and I've got the Coots bank accounts, so if you'd just like to go back practicing your royal wave, welcome Prince Langdon. Well done. Thank you very much. Now, let's have a look at verse 12. Why on earth did I do all that? Well, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become members of the royal family. No, nothing. I mean, that's pathetic. That's nothing. No, no. To become children of God. He's got the right to do that. You see, Langdon, I've got really bad news for you. The day after she issued the letter, Parliament found out about it, and they said, the old girl's lost it. She can't go around adopting people into the royal family. She might be too down, but we can't start this. This is hopeless. She doesn't have the right. No, she doesn't. 
But actually, God has the right to adopt you. Did you know that you were a prince or a princess in the kingdom of God for eternity? Did you know that? How big are your worries now? Because this entire life, that long in relation to eternity. If you didn't know it, well, do you know that's the offer? You can be adopted for eternity. The word, the light, the answer for life, a unique and awesome offer. The creator of the universe says, I love you. I died for you. Come into my family. Trust in me and I can sort you out. Now listen, I've taken this body on holiday. I've tried to look after it. I rub in the suntan cream that my wife buys for me. I now take the vitamin tablets that my daughters in their early 30s buy for me. But one day, this body, this, is going to hit the floor and Elvis is going to have exited the building. And if you've ever seen a dead body, you know that's not the real person. I am my soul. And that soul actually can be adopted for eternity. Not this. My soul, the real me. You can know a peace which passes all understanding when we put your lives into the hands of our Savior. You know what? Your friends need to know that. Perhaps over the last 20 years in particular, we've started to hide in our churches. Perhaps we have been draining out during the week, not thinking that actually we can take the gospel to our friends because we didn't know how. Well, now you've got the how. And it gets better. Let's go on. We're going to flip to, uh, to verse 17. I don't have a slide for it, but here's what it says. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It takes John 17 verses before he tells you that the word is Jesus Christ. Have you been living your life thinking it's all about being good enough? You know, well, I'm not perfect, but I'm not that bad. I try my best. Well, the Bible makes it very clear. John here makes it very clear. God's law, as given to Moses, might be good. It's got rules and regulations, but we simply are hopeless at keeping them. Being good enough to be close to God, that is only possible through Jesus Christ. That's the truth. Your righteousness, the Bible says it's but filthy rags. You want to be right with God? The truth is you can't do it on your own. You need to trust in the grace of Jesus. A way to remember grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Now, my mother was the type of woman who ran the church. She ran the young wives, then she ran the mother's union, I talked to her an hour before she died. She didn't know she was going to die. And half an hour after I talked to her, a woman from the church rang up and my mother sorted out yet another problem. And then she went and sat in her favorite chair. She put the Daily Telegraph newspaper on her lap and she never woke up. And when we got to the house, we discovered that for the three years before her death, she'd been keeping a notebook. It was the three years she was a widow. And the last entry my dear saintly mum had written in the book was this. How wonderful it is to now understand and accept God's grace, mercy and peace. How I thought it was all about what I had to do. And I've discovered it has been done for me. It's not about you and your goodness. God's 
riches at Christ's expense. It's always been about Christ. It will always be about Christ. It is not about anything else. It's not about you. No man has ever claimed such a divine presence here on earth. No man has claimed to be the creator God. No man has ever suggested he can empower us to live in and know his life. Life lived to the full. He's the very best answer to our lives, both here on earth and for eternity. Now tell me, how permanent are your worries now? You're just passing through this life. Let's jump forward. You see, the thing is, page after page after page of the, of the Gospel of John it comes alive. And when you start showing it to your friends, I promise you, you're going to see verses that you've read before, but now courtesy of the fact that you've got notes, not notes from some demented insurance executive. No, my, I was taught by one of the world's best Bible teachers. They're his notes. Don't worry about it. It's not my notes. If we go to the next slide, here is a classic example of a verse that comes alive. Verse 23 of John 1. They're talking to John the Baptist. The, the government sent representatives out to talk to him. The synagogues have said he'd be all over your Jerusalem Times. In the days of the, of the news crews, BBC, CNN, NBC, ABC, they'd all have been out in the desert because absolutely everyone is convinced that John the Baptist has come from God. He's a prophet sent from God. So they're talking to him and saying, what is it you're saying? He says this, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, 700 years before Isaiah, one of the greatest prophets known in the Old Testament. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now, do you know what I mean by triumph? If you were a Babylonian, Assyrian, Greek, or Roman... What you did was if you were a general or an emperor or a king and you had a great victory, you came back to your city and you sat outside while they actually filled in the valleys and they built a highway. They built a motorway. It was so that you could come in and parade and show off your greatness. And what did Isaiah actually say 700 years earlier? Well, it's in the books. Isaiah 40 verse 3 tells exactly of this moment. Prepare the way for the Lord. Oh my goodness. Look what he said. A highway for our God. Make straight. Yes, fill in the valleys. Take the stuff off the top of the hills. Get the, get the diggers out. Make straight the way for the Lord. He's saying to the people of 2,000 years ago, the Messiah's coming. There's only one Jew that merits that. They've been waiting for him for 2,000 years. Do you see? Now you see, once you've speak, seen, been shown that, you will never read that verse in the same way again. And you will be excited about telling it to your friends. And your friends will go, well, nobody's ever shown me that before. Now, as a Christian, if you're a Christian here today, you will not like what I'm about to say. In 13 years of showing John's gospel to my friends, here is what, to a man, every single one of them has said in some way. How is it possible that no one's ever shown me this before? You think you're socially unacceptable? Your friends haven't got life's answers. They're not at peace. Do they feel secure? No. They need to see this. 
They haven't seen it. They didn't realize how highly relevant the word is. We'll flip over to the next page. Here's another verse the same way. Here he is. He says in verse 26, John, I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. Yes, Jesus hasn't started his ministry yet. He's in the crowd. Amongst, here you go, John, among you stands one you do not know. But here's the soccer verse, and it would have caused a huge intake in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. Now look, the lowest job in your household was when your friends came to visit you. Why was it the lowest job, the first servant that you met? I'll tell you. Because it was in the days of dusty streets. There wasn't tarmac. We had bullock carts. We had donkeys. We had dogs. We had open sewers in the middle of the streets. And you've decided that the fashion accessory that you just can't do without is a thong. You're wearing thongs. Okay? You've got open-toed sandals on. That's what you're wearing. And in the streets that are that filthy. So you turn up at my house. Your feet are absolutely disgusting. So I've given to my lowest servant the job of taking you quietly into a room on the side to take your sandals off and wash your feet. And the great prophet that absolutely everyone has gone out to the desert to see, convinced he's from God, the great prophet says he's not even worthy to start the lowest job in your household to start undoing the straps of the sandals, let alone washing the feet. I suggest to you that raises one question. Whose feet is he talking about? Well, I suggest he's clearly saying the Messiah's turned up. He's the one wearing the sandals. And even though I'm a prophet sent from God, I'm not worthy to start that process. You see, I think there would have been an intake of breath 2,000 years ago. They'd have gone, they'd have gone, Wow, there's only one Jew he could be talking about. Well, flip again. It happens page after page after page. Verse 29. I haven't got time to do all of it, but here's what it says. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let me re-express that. Suddenly, John the Baptist sees Jesus in the crowd. And he can't help himself. He's like a neon sign. He goes, look, 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 look. look. See that guy over there? See that guy over there? He's come to die. He gives him a unique title, immediately linking him to the Passover lamb from Passover. The lamb that every year was slaughtered so that actually the eldest son could remember what had happened when the people were led out of Egypt. You can read all about it. It's in the yellow sticker and you can share that with your friends. But literally, you see that bloke there? He's come to die. Why? Well, the ministry is expressed in the next line. To take away the sin of the world. One sentence, that's Jesus' ministry. That man come to die for the sins of the world. Phenomenal. The whole book is like that. Your friends need to see it. It's mind-blowing stuff. Mind-blowing. Well, let me tell you. What happens when we get to the end of the book? We've got one verse left. We're going to look at verse 34. You see, outrageously, what he says is this. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Well, there's how to get yourself killed. 
because they've been waiting for thousands of years. And suddenly he has the audacity to say, I have seen and I testify, that is the guy we've been waiting for. Phenomenal. It's a phrase that would mean only one thing to the Jews. At last the Son of God has come. To do what? To die. To die for each of us who put our trust in him so that we might be right with God for eternity, adopted into his family. Do you see what a clear picture it is? Had you seen some of those verses before and realized what they were like? The evidence is absolutely overwhelming. The Jews should have been on it without any doubt. Jesus, the savior of the world, has come. Please put up the next slide. There's lots on the Word One-to-One website to help you share this. What happens when we share the gospel? Well, I'll repeat it. Every single person I've shown it to has said, why, why, why has no one ever shown me this before? As Christians here today, is that not a damning comment to us all? You see, we've, we've always nodded, haven't we? Oh, yes, we do agree. We must share the gospel with our friends. We haven't known how. Well, now you got the how. But you might be thinking, I could never do that. It's not my job. It's the job of the ministry team. It's evangelism. It's what professionals do. I'm not asking you to be an evangelist. The power is not in you. The power is in the word. It is an empowered word. God the Father, God the Son, oh look, and God the Holy Spirit. It's an empowered word. It will not be anything that you say to your friends. It will be what the word says. Let me tell you a quick story that backs that up. The most intelligent bloke I've ever seen become a Christian is a man called Martin. And I met him for 15 months. I'd been buying coffee for 15 months. And my phone went, and it was Martin. He said, "Uh, can I buy you a coffee? Well, I thought, brilliant. At long last, I'm going to get a free coffee. So I went for my free coffee. And Martin said this. He said, Richard, I knelt at the foot of the cross yesterday. I said, oh, brilliant, Martin. What took you there? Well, it was nothing you said. He said, actually, Richard, it'll get worse for you. He said, he said, the first six words of John 1, in the beginning was the word. He said, it's gone into my mind like a branding iron on me. He's sitting there having coffee doing this. Really senior businessman. In the beginning, he said, I've read all of those New, te- those, uh, New York Times bestsellers, Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, all those other blokes. He said, they're idiots. He said, I've read this. In the beginning was God. That makes complete sense. None of what they say, the likelihood of what they say actually being the truth, no. John, not you, Richard, John then showed me who the word was, what the word had come to do, how he had the right to lay his life down because he also had the right uniquely to take it back up again. That's what he did at the cross. He defeated death and he offered me an empowered relationship with him. That's what I've got, Richard. It was nothing you said. Well, what a relief. Isn't it a relief? It's not about you. I'm asking you to be a page turner. That's all. Be a muppet in the service of your father. Be a muppet. Just go out there, be a fool for the Lord, and start asking your friends whether they would be interested in looking at something that you are that excited about. One in five around the world, as an average, we now know will say yes to that cup of coffee. 
And incredibly, 90% of them will then stick with you as you quietly but surely, every time, just keep having coffee and showing them the gospel train work. Chug, 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 verse after verse after verse. It's not, it's not a course. We're not doing it by subjects which then get disconnected. No, chug, 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 chug. Verse after verse after verse. In a socially acceptable format, completely accessible, plain English, you don't need your Bible out because actually anything you need has been put into the books. Over 300,000 of them and rocketing. Well, I praise God for what the Lord is doing. How extraordinary, what a surprise that he's got the answer for our world today. Isn't that a surprise? And isn't it a surprise? It's exactly the same truth. You see, we're not on the Mark 9 version of the gospel. We're on the one version of the gospel. It's still the truth. And actually, the more archaeology we have, the more we discover it's exactly the truth. You are reading exactly what was written 2,000 years ago. So here's my request. If you're a Christian, you call yourself a Christian here today, don't let your faith be just about you. Don't be a member of the Christian Rotting Sponge Party. Don't do that. Don't just keep coming week in, week out, and just expect that you're just going to keep going. Oh, what survived another week. No, if you really want the faith that's on offer, then realize that actually you can be employed in the Great Commission. I was telling the older ones at the 8 o'clock service, I gave them a whole string of stories about the retireds, because you see, the thing is about the retireds, they know they haven't got life's answers. They know it. They're not at peace. They don't feel secure. I told them, I'll I'll just tell you one story from from that age range. A woman of 78 came up to me. She said, I'm a widow, Richard. And and I've got to tell you, even the church write you off as a widow if you're 78 years old. She said, a woman came up to me in church the other day. She said, you've got time on your hands. And I found that really harsh. The problem was it was true. And, and this woman said, would you please go and visit my mother? Um, because she's stuck at home. So she's, I couldn't get out of it, she said. So I thought, well, shall I take chocolates? Shall I take flowers? And she saw on the church bookstall, just as you've got here with Carl today, word one-to-one. She thought, I'll give that a go. Well, the 90-year-old she went to visit was not at peace. She did not have life's answers. And so as soon as this woman started to show John's gospel the woman gave her life to Christ. And that 78-year-old says to me, Richard, I've got employed. I'm in the Great Commission. She actually thinks she's the new Billy Graham. I mean, she's out, she's out having coffees with as many people as she can lay her hands on. And she's not alone. She's not alone. Every single age. You want a different story? 13-year-old boy gets converted in his youth group because he finds this socially acceptable and accessible. He goes home to his non-Christian parents. You're different, my boy. What is it? Well, let me show you, he said. And he's now able to share the gospel with his friends, with his parents. Don't tell me you can't do it. In Australia, I love this story, North Shore, uh, the, the, this, this woman's uh, daughter came and told me, she said, I've got to tell you, my mother has turned into a Hollywood actress. She's in, she's in bed, she's got carers, and every time she gets a new carer, she does this. Oh, excuse me, dear. Please, 
could you read this to me? She's, she's currently got a Thai Buddhist nurse completely hooked on the next episode of John. We, we call it episodes because to the non-Christian, they don't know what's coming next. And all we've done is taken the 21 chapters of John and broken it down into episodes between about 10 and 20 minutes each. Fantastic. So if you're a Christian here today, don't let your faith be just about you. Get out and go where the ministry team can't go. Because you will discover in your own circle of contacts that the Lord is incredibly active. And your faith, well, it'll take off. Church prayer meeting won't be the same again. You won't be praying, oh, Lord, please help me with my rheumatism. No, no, no. Lord, please help me. George has said yes. I've got the great privilege of showing Mary John 3.16 next week. Would you please pray for me? Now, if on the other hand, looking into the Bible is all new for you, well, I really hope that you found this helpful. Let me tell you one man I asked to look at the word. See, he was going through a very messy divorce. And I I went to see him and I said, David, I I think you'd find this very, very helpful. He said, Richard, one one day I will look. And funnily enough, I was back here two years later. I'd forgotten about the conversation with David. I got a one-line email. The time has come for me to see the notes. So when I got back to London, I went to see him. I said, where did that come from? He said, I was in the gym, I was on the treadmill, and I realized I was on the treadmill of my life, and I haven't got any answers, Richard. He said, you know, I thought the grass would be greener on the other side of the fence when I got divorced. He said, I went out and bought the most expensive sports car that I could lay my hands on. He said, that didn't do it for me. So I went out and bought a Ducati motorbike. He said, I terrified the living socks off me. That didn't do it for me. I ended up in the gym, 49 years old, on the treadmill and realized I'm on the treadmill of my life and I haven't got the answers. Well, perhaps that's true of you today. Perhaps you do, as I say all this, perhaps you're beginning to go, you know what, perhaps I have got a God-shaped vacuum in my life. I've tried everything else. It doesn't seem to be doing it. You haven't got a peace that passes all understanding. That's not you. You don't feel secure. Well, have someone buy you a cup of coffee. Here's the rules. Don't you go to the bookstall and buy the books. Get some from the church here or someone who brought you here to buy the books for you. Get them to pay for the coffee, and there's only two things they're allowed to say to you at the end of your coffee, and those 18 sentences which make up the executive summary, the overview that's at the start of John. Here's all they're allowed to say. These are the rules. Did you enjoy that? So you're still in control. You can decide. Would you like to see what happens next? It's down to you whether you have a look at the next bit. That's all. I'm suggesting you invest in the real you. Would that be a good idea? One cup of coffee. Have a look and see if they really are the maker's instructions. Well, the time's come for me to pray. But don't let this be a day that you just let it go by. See, if you're you're a Christian, there is a life for you to live which is as exciting as that 78-year-old has discovered, or the 93-year-old. Top trumps 
a woman of 96 I got told of last year when I came to Australia. She's on fire for her saviour at 96 because at long last, taken her 96 years, but somebody handed her the gospel in a format that she can share. And she's loving it because she's got a captive audience. She's in an old people's home. They can't get away. She said, I am on fire. It's fantastic. At last I can share my gospel. Well, it's wonderful to do that. Let's pray using the words of John. In him is life, and that life is the light of all mankind. The light shines and the darkness has not overcome it. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much that you came to die and rise again for each one of us, for giving us the gift of your Spirit to conduct your great commission, to take your word to the unique circle of friends that you've given each and every believer. Embolden us, Lord, to do just that. Or, if we don't know you yet... Well, then actually help us not miss this opportunity to at least look into your word. Help us in our unbelief to see what you have to say for our lives as you express your love for us through your word. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. A couple of points. Here's my challenge. Start asking. One in five, I'm I'm begging you to actually ask two people in the next ten days. Carl's bothered to come. Make sure you pick up the books because you'll need them. You need the first pack, chapters one to four, six little booklets. One for you, one for your friend. Go and get them and start praying and start asking. You'll be amazed who says yes. It will be for a reason you don't know. Something's going on that the Lord's just got that person thinking, I haven't got life's answers, and they're waiting for you to ask. Why has no one ever shown me this before? Don't forget that sentence. Secondly, it just may be that you've come today and this is all new. You wouldn't call yourself a Christian. I've told you what to do. Please make sure, don't leave the church without making sure someone's going to book up a cup of coffee with you. But at the table at the back, we've got a prayer. It's a prayer I'm saying you may not be ready to pray, but you might find it helpful to actually see what it would look like to give your life to Christ. It's up on the screen, and it's written off here. Pick it up. Nobody's going to force one on you. Just help yourself. Have a look. And then thirdly, please come this afternoon. This could be the most important day in your Christian life besides the day you gave your life to Christ. This could be how you discover what's really on offer for you as a Christian. Don't miss the opportunity. We're going to be really practical this afternoon, and we're going to look into why we should be doing it and how we should be doing it. Thank you very, very, very much for inviting me here today.